Whenever you feel bad, you gotta know, you've got to know that you are bumping into a limiting belief of some kind. Today's topic's gonna be a big one. We're talking about selfishness, judgment, limiting beliefs that hold us back from having what we want, and just the idea that we will only get as much or go as far as we allow ourselves to go. So uh, for those of you that are on a journey of growth and expansion, uh, I hope this gives you permission to go way bigger, way faster. Welcome to The Dream Beyond. I'm your host, Nick Tarasio. I'm a CEO, musician, and overall seeker of truth, inspiration, and simply put, how to live the most fulfilling life possible. Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on The Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm here with executive life coach and author of Keep It Simple, Smarty Pants, Stop Overthinking, Start Aligning, Live Happy. Her clients include many incredibly recognizable names and just thought leaders, entrepreneurs from all over the world. She's a sought after podcast guest and founding member, regular contributor to the Forbes Coaches Council. Please welcome my friend, Christine Meyer. Thank you for being here with us today. Hey, Nick, thank you for having me and uh, uh, taking me up on my, my uh, invitation to be on your podcast. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No, it's, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming, I think. Uh, for context, Christine and I met in Sedona, Arizona at uh, a really fun retreat with our friend Andrea Lake. She had hosted us out there and I think we really connected over, uh, was it whoopee cushions in a, in the aisle <laughs> of a CVS I, or CVS, Walgreens that's right, or something. That's right. Yes. We that's totally, right. we totally bonded on, on, I think that thing was called a flarp. So we were flarping in the aisles of CVS. <laughs> That's right. And I remember That's the right. look you had when you when you saw me playing with it. You were somewhat shocked, but so delighted. Yes. That there was there was another someone in the world who would actually play with you in those ways. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways, in many ways, that's what the the podcast for me is like, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Like we talk and, about big ideas. We talk about going and doing all this meaningful stuff in the world. But then I think sometimes people just forget that it's also supposed to be fun, right? It's also supposed to be enjoyment and it's all a big comedy anyway. It's all one big sitcom. And if you can, I do my best to see my life that way, even in those moments when there's plenty of stuff going on that that isn't particularly fun quote unquote it's like how can i find the fun in it and i do think that for those of us who want to achieve and feel and live into our highest potential do and be all that we can it is a fine line truly to to not take that too seriously, to continue to introduce fun into your life and, and to make life fun. Because if you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying it, if you're not feeling good your way to what you want, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of hitting on really the, you know, the heart of the show is around fulfillment. And I think that there's a lot of people, including myself, that have been on that treadmill of doing more, building more, to I don't know what end, right? Like just always doing more in hopes that maybe someday I'll feel whatever feeling I was chasing. So that's really kind of the heart of what the show is, is 
is how do we find that fulfillment? I know because of the conversations you have and the kinds of people you support, um, I'm sure you have a lot to say about it. But first, because I think you and I always turn, we always go to these big ideas, right? We always end up like in these really fun, dynamic conversations about really cool ideas. I'm curious to hear more about your origins. And as a teenager, as a kid, like what was that early dream for you? What was the thing that you felt pulled to? What was fun for you? Then, well, I really wanted to be a vet and I really wanted to be a race car driver. And I always really liked helping people. So, so that was truly the big pull for me. Now, race car driver doesn't fall into that, but that was just the adventurous, the, the, the part that I would love to experience. Um, so the pull was, was always because I cared very deeply about how other people felt before I cared very deeply about how I felt. Oh, that's interesting. So, well, first I yeah. have to ask, uh, do you have pets? And I said that on purpose. What's that? Do you have pets? I have two amazing dogs. I call them my boys, B-O-Y-Z. And I just, I just, I don't know. They're just, they've got my heart. <laughs> I just love my boys. Fantastic. Awesome. So, so you've gone down the path of you were drawn to animals. You have some animals now. Do you have speeding Absolutely. tickets? No, I do not. I actually so the do race not. Car, I, the race car driver thing did not materialize. Doesn't mean I don't drive fast. Oh, I just, you're just good. I just know where the cops are. Even yeah. better. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can feel them before before I spot them. Yes. Like, I'm just going to, I get those impulses. I'm just going to slow down a little bit here. Just Smart. like this morning. That happened this morning. Just slow down a bit here. And then shortly after, a cop pulled up behind me on the highway. Fantastic. So the third thing you said that again I, I i really you know this idea of helping people before you help yourself how did that show up in the earlier parts of your life when you may have not understood that that's what was going on um that showed up in my life in terms of putting myself second i sort of overrode how i felt to help someone else feel better I overrode what I wanted in many cases before I chose what I wanted. And I think society somewhat trains us like that. We observe people responding to us. And so I wanted you to feel good. And so I would do things that would, you know, help you out in those ways. And I think we have to reverse that. I think we have to be selfish. We have to care about how we feel first so that we can help other people, so that we can be of value to other people. And so I do make how I feel a priority. And then I go out into the world. I make how I feel a priority. And then I have conversations. Because if I want to be of value not only to myself and, and be satisfied with who I am and enjoy my life and feel joyful and happy, then I have to tend to how I feel make that a priority. And then when I go out into the world, I can be a value to others. I can help others. I can, even if I don't say a word. We're supposed to have silence there, right? We are. Yeah. It makes me very uncomfortable when there's long silence, especially on a podcast. People are like, did the radio break? <laughs> the radio no, but, did but not right. break. The radio did not break. And I like that you left the pause there because pauses are really good. Pauses are good for 
to sort of take it all in. Pauses are good to sort of in that moment feel where you are and take a pause. Take a pause. We don't have to fill all of the spaces. And exactly. there again. Yeah, there we go. All right, good. We're pushing boundaries for me right now. Um, we, we are. <laughs> now, I get that we want to fill the spaces when we're doing a podcast. But, but you know, in your life, people do get uncomfortable with silence. I love silence. I love silence. Be when, when I'm in a room with other people, I love silence. I love engaging. I love having conversations. Yes. And silence is so golden as well. It's like when you're, when you're silently, and I feel like you, you and I have many of these conversations that include those pauses and those vibrational communications. You see, we're, we're much more interpreters of, of energy than we give ourselves credit for. And so when those silences happen, if you can just sort of melt into it and just feel your way through it and then pick up the conversation. Yeah. I mean, talking to you is always fun for me because it's a dance and I've noticed that I really struggle with the one-sided conversation. You know, I really struggle when it's someone either requires me to carry the whole thing or someone leaves no space for me to be in the dance. And I, I, I just, I, I appreciate again, like you do leave space for others. And so there's something really beautiful about that. And so I want to go back to, you know, this prior version of you, this earlier version of you that, you know, put your needs or wants second. And now you've come to this place of saying, I'm actually going to take care of myself first. And I believe that from that space, I mean, again, I'm in aviation, right? So we talk about the oxygen mask. You put your own on, you secure your own before you you know, help anybody else. Um, I'm really interested in knowing more about, is there a particular story in your life that was the like, aha breakthrough for you where you're like, I just can't do this to myself anymore. It's actually not in service of other and it's not in service of self. Or was it more of a gradual process for you? I think it was a culmination of many ex experiences. I don't think that there was one aha moment. There was one that sort of tipped the scale for me, but, it, but it's not only one event. I think it's a lifetime of events, a lifetime of experiences, a lifetime of, of collecting data and, and making choices and decisions and recognizing that perhaps I'd gone too far off on the other scale or realized that my desire was now stronger to make myself important will you, will and, and you not tell us ask anyone not ask anyone else to make me important and, and that's something i want to clear here make clear is that the the choice was to i'm going to value myself i'm going to make myself important and i'm not going to ask one other person in the world to do that for me would you tell us about that that particular tipping point experience yeah, I guess I, I remember standing, um, I had been married for quite a while at this time to a lovely man. N nothing ever, I would never say anything bad about him. He, We still speak to this day. And we had the picture-perfect life. We had the life where you have the things and the people around you and all of those things. And yet I found that I wanted something different. I wanted to discover who I was and I wanted to discover even more about finding true happiness without all of the stuff. And, and there had been a deep desire in me from the time that I was small to understand 
energy to understand the universe, to understand my place in the universe, to understand why I'm here, who I am, what this is all about. And so there was a moment there where I thought, this, this is the beginning. This is the beginning for me of truly understanding that. And, and so I, I ended up eventually following inspiration. I loved myself into that relationship and loved my way in. And I also loved my way out of that relationship because I said yes to me. And it was not against him. It was yes to me. Hmm. That's beautiful. And, and I, I wonder, as you say that, putting oneself first and talking about loving your way out of a relationship, how do you manage the, the, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, or I don't know if it's just people around us that will say you're being selfish how dare you put yourself first, right? Because a lot of us don't allow that narrative. It, it, even when you say it, it's like, there's a little part of me that's like, as a, the way I grew up, it wouldn't be okay to say that out loud. Like, oh, guys, I'm going to put myself first and then everyone comes second. When I put myself first, I do want to be in service of others. But it, it's there seems to be this, this, this negative sense of putting self first. How did you navigate that? And how do you still hold that space of like, it is actually the most loving thing to put myself first? Yeah. I love that. So, so well, again, when people are asking you to put them first, what are they doing? <laughs> That's actually quite selfish sounding. Right. And so if we could all, we won't all find agreement in this, but if we could all find agreement that we are born selfish, we are selfishly wired. You can only think through self, feel through self, and perceive through self. And you are the creator of your reality. No one else creates for you. No one feels for you. No one thinks for you. No one perceives for you. You can walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, but at the end of the day, there's still somebody else's shoes. So how do I live that? I do my best to, yeah, of course, I'll hold someone responsible for how I feel temporarily. I mean, I'm, I'm human. But underlying that is the true knowing that how I feel is about me. How I feel is how I'm perceiving you. How I feel is how I'm perceiving what you're perceiving about me. It has nothing to do with you. And so I do practice selfishness and, and not because, not only because I want to be in service to others, because then that's another, that's another little attachment. It's like, I'll do it for me just as long as it's benefiting others. I want to stand proudly in my selfishness. And what that does is it makes me responsible, if you will. I get to take the credit for my creations. I get to take the credit for how I feel. I get to take the credit for what the relationships are around me. And so I encourage everyone to be selfish. I encourage everyone to reconsider the idea that selfish is bad. Because if you're not being selfish enough to feel good, then you're going to blame someone else for how you feel, or you're going to think that they need to do something, be something different, do something different so that you can feel better. And that's powerless. So being selfish is empowering, contrary to what society will have you believe. And the reason why people don't want you to be selfish is because they are selfishly wired and they want you to do what they want you to do. <laughs> and they call you selfish. Interesting. 
everyone is selfish. Some people won't allow themselves to admit that they want to be selfish. And some people will put others ahead of them like I did and then blame them. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not at all saying here, don't do things for other people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, care how you feel. Make that a selfish quest. Care about how you feel. And, and discover that you can affect how you feel. And you're in charge of that. And leave everyone else off the hook. It's your job. Where's the boundary? So if someone says, okay, hey, this is um, amazing. I'm super inspired by you, which I always uh, am. Uh, but if someone uh, says, like, I'm really inspired by this concept of going out into the world and, and trying this new version of being self-referential and selfish in this way, but I worry that I may not do good in the process. Like, I don't know how to know when it's, is there too selfish or is there different kinds of selfish? I still want to be in service of others, but I think what you said is right. When I've not done that, when I've put myself second, I end up presenting the person I was trying to help. And they never even asked for that. They're like, why are you pissed at me? Or why are you holding things over me? Or why do you feel like I owe you something? I'm like, oh exactly. shit, because I did stuff that I didn't even want to do for you in the first place. So where, where is that line of like, how do we stay in a healthy form of selfishness? Well, well, you can tell by the way you feel when you're putting yourself first and not pushing against someone else. You're not harming other people. And, you know, there, there are things that will feel good to you to do and things that won't feel good to you to do. And there are things that will feel good to me. So it's all a personal journey of discovery. And I say, all right, then go far off the other end of the scale and get, get selfish in whatever ways you, you feel from where you are and see if that feels good. And then ratchet it back and fi you'll find your way. You'll find your way. But if you, if you apply this umbrella of being selfish is good, how does it feel to put myself first? Well, it feel, I feel guilty for doing that because I've been told all my life not to do that. And it's like, how, how did we come to that conclusion? Again, we came to that conclusion because I, please me, right? Just do the things I want you to do and I'll be happy. I'll feel good. And if you don't, You've got a very short leash because if you don't do the things that I want you to do, then I don't feel good and I don't like that. And I think it's your fault. You see how intertwined and messy that gets? Yeah. If we would all just get selfish and tend to how we feel. And yeah, we will play with people that will push our buttons, but that's part of being a human. And that those people are huge gifts to you that, that number one, you attracted, you rendezvoused with, but also... You could thank those people that push your buttons. You can say, thank you for contributing to my expansion. You're really annoying to me right now because I'm perceiving you from that perspective or, or, or you are, you know, put in whatever you want. And, but this interaction is causing me to expand. So really on the flip side of that is a huge thank you for causing me to expand. And in this moment, I am not taking my expansion. I am not that of all which I've become in this moment because I'm still blaming you. But you've contributed greatly to my experience. Give me a real example of that so I can really, really grasp it. Well, so, okay, a real example. My daughter the other day went and stirred a few things up. And, and I was not happy about that. I was angry about that, about her choices. And 
So she is the creator of her life. She's going to create experiences for herself to expand. That's none of my business, really. And when this all unfolded, I had emotions around it, right? I felt angry. I felt disappointed. I felt sort of all a little bit all over the place, uh, uh, numerous emotions around. And But once I was able to take a step back from it, I was able to think, all right, so she did this thing. I had a reaction to it. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't like really to put things in categories like that, right or wrong, good or bad. It's an experience that she attracted into her experience for her own choices, for her own experience, for her own expansion. So as I look at that and I see it, is there a different perspective rather than judgment, rather than being disappointed, rather than being angry, rather than, than wanting to blame her for how I feel and, and judge her, let's say? How can I take that experience? That's made me expand. Because now I have an opportunity to look at something that I've never looked at before and think of it differently. Without that experience that I rendezvoused with, I can keep, keep on keeping on with my beliefs and my assumptions and my judgments and my perspectives about things. Having that experience expanded me into a whole new universe of understanding of letting go of some old beliefs, some, some, some wiring that I might have around what parenting means, what parenting is, what a good or bad, air quotes here, parent I am, what a good job I'm doing, what a, and, and, and because we are wired to love. We just are. At the core of who we are, we are wired to love. And when we are not loving, we are diminishing our own experience. So in those moments when something is happening that you don't like, you might not be able to feel love or appreciation for it. But as you step away from it and review it, can you find appreciation for that? Can you find the benefits in having an experience that you don't want? Think that you don't want. Can you find the benefits and the, the positive aspects, the, the expanded version of what's really going on here. Because we're all expanding beings. And when we don't feel good, we've expanded and we're not going with that expansion. And so we do limit ourselves. We limit ourselves in those moments. We have these reactions to things and then we kind of leave it there. I, I, when it comes to children, I always try not to press too much on a specific story so that no one is sharing too deeply in that way. But yeah. I'm wondering if you could share without maybe telling her side of it, what was the judgment and then what was the specific thought expansion that took place for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so the, the, the judgment around it was you shouldn't have done that. The judgment around that was I don't like that. The judgment around that was, you know better than that. And then then a layer underneath that was, what does that mean about me as a parent? Right? Because, because as a parent, I take my child as an extension of me. She's her own person and all of that. 
but her behaviors and how she goes out into the world, I do feel it's a reflection on me also. And so that's the expansion. That's the expansion is how much does it reflect on me? How, how much does this have to do with me versus her being the creator of her own reality? Also, it touched on, am I trying to control this child? How much control have I got? What's mine and what's hers? What part of this is going to benefit her? And what part of it is it benefiting me? Because really what's benefiting her is none of my business. That's for her to work out. I just hope that I give her the tools to work that out. But what she gets from it is truly none of my business. What I get from it is. And so it, it broadened my thought. It, you, because you can only, you bump into things to help you expand. You bump into things to, to question your own perspectives and beliefs. And so it had me really, again, wonder, how can I continue to let go? She's my child and I feel responsible for her, but she's also the creator of her own reality and she will continue to create her reality whether I like it or not. And I might not always like it or not. And yeah. so then how can I then think differently about this situation? Am I, am I blowing it out of proportion? Am I... How, how did I bump into this? And can I appreciate that I did bump into this and see it again to the point that we were speaking about as a sitcom. See it as, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Yeah, you know, it's the, the piece that I hear coming through there is as you were speaking, one, I'll share a silly story is that my family has this funny thing we do at dinner where when there's, you know, some <laughs> shared food or like a brownie, <laughs> we'll just keep cutting it in half <laughs> until there's a, a, like the smallest morsel left because no one wants to take the last piece. Right. And I'm realizing like this plays with that. that <laughs> it, it's that dynamic of selfishness. But the other side of it is judgment. It's a fear of judgment. Right. It's like I, I want to have that because clearly I keep taking from it, but I don't want to be the one <laughs> to take the last bit because of how that will be <laughs> perceived by everybody else. So it's. It's a really funny thing of like, don't clear the plate. Don't be the one to take the last bit so that no one else is left with anything. And as yeah. as you were talking, that was coming through. And I started to think through how selfishness and judgment are these really complicated things of, you know, it's easy for me to say like my outside judgment is the worry, but it's not. It's actually my inner judgment that is holding me back from being selfish. It's it's the yeah. it's my projection of what I believe other people would think because I actually Correct. think that about myself. So I'm wondering how you've seen that judgment come up in the narratives. Again, you're working with some of the most impressive people on the planet, right? And one thing I've noticed as I've spent more time in like the YPO communities and the entrepreneurial community is it almost seems like people only go as far as they allow themselves to get, right? There's a certain point where like, I couldn't make more money than this, or I couldn't possibly 100%. have more than that. Uh, how do you help people with this concept of expanding their own self-worth, overcoming judgment, and allowing themselves to be selfish? The, well, it's it's different for everybody, right? Because everybody's in a different place about it. There are common uh, beliefs. There are, co there are similar perspectives about being selfish, certainly. But I really work with the individual on where they're at with it. So that 
that could just be, again, we talk about the broader perspective. We talk about the bigger general concepts of things first, because we need to lay a foundation on selfishness. If I just say to you, Nick, just stop being selfish, you're going to say, uh, but no, why? Why would I? But now that we've laid that foundation, now that I've sort of explained or expanded upon the subject of selfishness and brought in a new perspective, you're going to start considering that. You are. And so it, it's, it's that. A lot of it is that. I bring in new perspectives. I bring in new foundations from which we bounce off of. And then you, I, I can't apply it for you. We talk about how to apply it. We talk about how you applied it here and perhaps couldn't, didn't feel right to apply it here and so on. But you have to discover how that plays into your life. And you pay attention to how you feel. You pay attention to what you're thinking. You pay attention to your inner dialogue. You pay attention to how you, you're, the judgment that you're having about yourself for saying, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that tonight because I'd rather stay home. Or I'd rather kind of like put yourself in a group of people who want to go to a restaurant. And let's say you're all standing on a street corner and you want Chinese food. But everybody, someone else wants steak and someone else wants donuts and someone else wants whatever, right? Sushi. And how, how, do, you ever, how do you ever sort that out? Unless you're, unless you're willing, unless it's okay with you to go and have some of the other. But if you really want what you want, why not just say, hey, you guys go do your thing. I'm going to go eat what I want and I'll see you later. But again, it's about taking responsibility for self, taking credit for self, taking credit for how I feel and, and what I want. Because what you want and what I want might be different, but neither one is wrong. I mean, this literally just happened last night was uh, I have my fiance and <laughs> my course. friend wanted to have uh, Szechuan Chinese. I don't really like it. I don't like the spice. It makes my tongue numb. Not not fun for me. And but did you go? No. Okay, I literally good. said I did won't go? go. I'm actually like I'd prefer to go to this other place. And uh, uh, we got Indian instead. So I'm okay with spice, just not certain spices. But it was like really interesting because at first I was like, I don't want to go. But I kind of threw a bit of a tantrum of like, I'm going to leverage the fact that me not going is the punishment. Like it's very avoidant behavior. Right. And it's like, wait, actually, yeah. I'm trying to muscle an outcome, which is also not great. It's like truly, if I can say from a place I, of care, yeah, if I, if, I, if I could say from a place of care, why don't you guys go if that's what you really want to enjoy? I'm happy to opt out. But if you'd like me to be included, I'd prefer this other place. So. I'll let you guys choose whether being with me is more important than Szechuan Chinese. And I'm not offended either way if that's your choice. So it, it was like an interesting Isn't there process. there's so much freedom? Freedom. Yeah. There's so much freedom in that is let, like I said, let others off the hook. And, you know, there was a time, uh, I don't know, several years ago when the, the uh, for July 4th, my husband and daughter wanted to go see the the fireworks downtown. And I I, I just didn't want to. And so I said, hey, you guys go. I'm going to stay home. I wanted to see the fireworks, but I didn't want to go there. And that's okay, right? What I want and what they want is, even if it's different, it's okay. And so I didn't feel offended that they went without me. I didn't try and pull a guilt trip or manipulate them into doing what I wanted to do. I truly, freely wanted them to do what they wanted to do, while I also wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so off they went, they saw the fireworks there, and I sat here and I came upstairs, looked out the windows, and I probably saw five different spots of fireworks going off. And so what? why I'm saying this story here is because I want people to start at least considering the idea that we can all have what we want, even if it looks different. Yeah. 
Yeah, except, except, and again, this is where I had a real edge with this yesterday was, did I actually want to just have different food on my own? Or did I actually want them to come to the other restaurant with me? Because what I didn't do yesterday was powerfully say, listen, I'm pretty attached to not eating at that place because it makes me feel sick. Uh, but I'd very much like to spend time with you guys. Would you would you be open at it? In, you know, to that invitation. Now, again, it all worked out in my favor, but it was almost too much vulnerability for me to say I would feel sad if we didn't have dinner together. This is someone who was visiting from out of town, so it's I would have felt sad had he not been there, or if he had chosen the food over spending time with me. But I found but, that I didn't see, really say chosen it. the food chosen the food over spending time with me. Is there a different way that you could look at that? You're making yeah. it a, a, a this or that when it, not really. Like if you want something to eat and he wants something to eat, could he not go get something to eat and then you get together again later? Yeah. I mean, again, and I, I think that's also part of the like expansive possibility of, hey, yeah, instead of meeting exactly. tonight for dinner, why don't you go get the food you want? I'll get the food I want and we can catch up on another time while you're here in town. Uh, but 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 it's hard not to personalize it. It's hard not to see that like Takes again. practice. Yeah, it does. I, I can see that. And and I, again, I I imagine that especially in long-term intimate relationships or business partnerships or any like real high stakes, you know, dependent team process, that it's even harder to ask for that because it brings in all this other stuff of like, let's say I'm the more picky eater, right? Um, and I'm not, I happen to be less picky generally, but if I was the more picky eater, I'd imagine then all the shaming language comes in of like, oh God, you're always having an issue with everything I suggest. It's always that. It's always this. So again, I imagine it's hard for some people to be selfish when they're just different from the norm, right? It's lovely if you're like, if you love watching baseball and drinking beers, great. Like you'll have plenty of people you can hang out with. But for, for those of us that are these strange outliers, I imagine it's, it's probably not but that are unique. We here? Are, well, it's really not that unique, and it is. It, it, it's yes and <laughs> a little bit. And aren't we outliers, sort of the, not necessarily the rule breakers, but the we, we question the rules. We question the beliefs around us. We question, we question authority. We question all kinds of things, right? And so aren't we here sort of leading the way for other people? Because none of us are free until we recognize that we are in charge of how we feel and what we perceive and find ways to feel better and find ways to change our perspectives so that we we selfishly feel good because yeah. feeling bad never feels good and there's nothing wrong with feeling bad but feeling bad never feels good so aren't we the ones who are on that leading edge who are saying wait a minute there's another way to look at this wait a minute there's another belief that i could have there's something that i'm bumping into here whenever you feel bad you got to know you've got to know that you are bumping into a limiting belief of some kind. You're bumping into an outdated belief right here and now. And you can do something about it now. Did that belief serve you up until now? Probably. Certainly hasn't harmed you. Now you're bumping into it because you've expanded. You're not going to feel good unless you're moving in the direction of your expansion. You will feel dissatisfied for the rest of your life if you don't find ways to feel good about movement forward. I mean, it's it's funny. Every time I talk to you, I'm always like, I have no idea why we're talking. And I I, I did, as yeah, I told you before we you started mean? recording, like I, I, I don't ever have a why other than it's just fun to talk to you. Like I, I don't. Yeah. There are people in my life that it's, you know, it's an agenda. You're like, we're talking about this particular thing and the goal is to get to some conclusion. When I talk to you, it's always fun just to 
meander through thoughts and find out that we're really at the crux of, at least for me, the idea that I will only ever have as much as I allow myself to have. Yep. And that's kind of, it, it kind of hurts to think that is that, you know, I, again, I grew up mid middle class around private jets. So I saw the uber wealthy and, you know, indoctrinated in like the middle class should assume that wealthy people got that by doing dumb shit. Their money came from uh -huh. ill-gotten gains so that you don't think you want that too. And you're not willing to do those things. But, but none of those beliefs serve you. That's right. Those beliefs hold you from your own abundance. That's right. That's exactly right. So it's like I keep hitting into these walls as I've gone down this road. And then I'm like, oh, it's it's interesting that I think a lot of the people I've spoken to that have it all, they sold for tons of money, right? They've got all the money in the world. They still have limiting beliefs that are now actually holding the mirror up to them of like, are you even worthy of this much? Are you allowed to Absolute have this? Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, there are all kinds of ways that this conversation could go but but if you're if if you're accustomed to to a, a certain lifestyle let's say then then your expectation is higher to allow more of that you see and so if you're if giving taking your your example here now if you're born into money your expectation of having money is higher so you allow it more if you were born not in money and you worked your way hard through something to something and became very wealthy and then sold it right then then you you found ways to allow it perhaps through your struggle and your suffer ring suffering and then over the course of time you come to believe that money only comes through hard work, struggle, and suffering, and proving yourself and earning it. So, so there's no there's no straight path to anything. Although we all want that straight path, everything that we introduce into our own lives is for our benefit, is for our own evolution, is for our, our own discovery and our own. So you're the creator of it, and you are also the creator of you. So you are you are creating, and you are the creator, and you are the result of the creation. You see, and so. So yes, we th there isn't one person on this planet who doesn't bump into some kind of a belief wall <laughs> at some point about something, whether that be money, whether that be relationships, self, it, it, age, moving through time. Like even there, let's talk about moving through time and, and what people come to expect they look around, they, they observe people moving through time, and many of them decline, many of them get sick, many of them whatever, whatever, whatever. So that trains you, if you will, into an expectation of what's to come for you. Even though you don't want it, you come to believe that that's what's coming for you too. Well, I don't want it, but that's probably how, you see what I, where I'm going here? So at some point in time, you've got to start asking yourself, what do I want my experience to be? And, and about anything, about anything. But while that's, while I see that and that and that and that and that and that, what do I want my experience to be? Think of going to a restaurant and seeing a, a, a buffet, a menu full of choices. You go to the restaurant and you say, what do I want to eat? You can observe some of the other things on the, on the menu and say, I don't really like that, don't like that but you're going to choose something that you want. So that 
that's really, we have the ability to, <laughs> we do, obliviously often, but we have a more, we have more control over the outcomes. We have more control over what we are actually creating. But the reason why we get some of this and some of that and some of this and some of that and some of this and some of that is really because we're looking at what we want and we're talking about what we don't. We're looking at what we want and we don't believe we can have it. We're looking at what we want and we decide that that's just for them. Or we look at what we want or what we would prefer and we say, yeah, but that's not how I was brought up. In, inside, at the very core of me, I know I was born selfish. We all know that when we're born, but that's trained out of us. Don't you do that. You'll be selfish. Please me first. You see? And so, so many of the things that we accept are things that we've observed, we've been told, we perceive, we felt, and didn't check to see if that was really true for us too, or we wanted to be wanted it to be true. And so there are plenty of opportunities. Life will give you plenty of opportunities every day to bump into your limiting beliefs and ask yourself, is this what I truly want to continue to believe? Yeah, this resonates. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering with, you know, again, just more of a general curiosity. What do you believe is the most uh -huh. insidious limiting belief that shows up in, in the people you've worked with? Great question. I don't think there's any belief that is insidious because you've come to that conclusion somehow. So I feel like what you believe is valid because you've come to that conclusion. But is it is it T true? Is it authentically true, meaning authentic to who you truly are? So um, I think that one of the primary beliefs that people have is, I am not worthy, and I need to spend the rest of my lifetime proving myself worthy. And, and that applies for my clients. Yeah, and I imagine that people that are really good at pushing boundaries and going beyond where they were yesterday, because there are definitely some growth-minded folks, right? Especially entrepreneurial people. I imagine that being on the train of having the blessing of continued success must, must just keep smashing into that edge. It's like, damn it, I actually finally got comfortable with what I had last year, but now I have more again this year, and then I'm starting anew with this whole, this whole concept of, am I worthy of this? Now I need to prove my worth to be here. Uh, and, yep. and again, I, I only... I don't know that for a fact, but I know that that has been a little bit of my journey is uh, every time I have a win, I'm like, crap, we're here again. We're here again. But you always will be because because it's what you're wired. You are wired. You are born wanting. If you didn't want, the world would not expand. And so every human being that you know wants and even for the even the people say, no, I don't want anything. Well, you want you, you still want there's still desire there, is there not? I don't want anything. Yeah. That, that is still a want. And so we are wired to want. We are wired for desires because desires is what keeps the universe expanding, us and the universe. That's, that's how evolution happens. Desires fuel evolution. 
And so wanting is never, never, never a bad thing. And think about it. When you get to, when you get to a destination, let's say you've, you, you, you get in your plane and you get to a destination, well, you don't just sit there in the plane. You get out of the plane and you check out what's there. So, so it's, 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 it's a false premise to believe that we shouldn't want. And it's a false premise to believe that wanting more is selfish or greedy because we are wired at the very core of us to want more. Now, the distinction I'd like to make is, can you want more and be satisfied with where you are? Can you want more and be satisfied on the way to more, knowing that what you want is inevitable? And most people don't believe because, and, and me included, I don't always believe that I can have what I want because sometimes I want that something that's far beyond where I am right now. So it's hard. It's hard. It feels hard. It's like, well, wait a minute. Can I want something that, that, that I've not experienced yet? And the answer is yes. The answer is what I want is inevitable. Now, can I mold my beliefs to match more of that desire? Because if I'm saying I want that but, I want that but, I want that but, 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 then I'm walking around with a whole lot of buts and not much progress toward, toward what I want. But the nature of our being is to desire. Desire is, desire is part of our DNA, if you will. Man, you're just dropping bombs. So uh, <laughs> we got to land the plane soon, but I, I, I have uh, two, two final questions Let's make it for a you. soft landing. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to have a hard landing today. Um, in the case of... I mean, there's just so much rich stuff in these questions. I almost want to do a part two immediately. But uh, we can. when we think about this experience of desire that we all have, there's kind of a couple different things to do. One is to say, if I don't believe I'm worthy of more than I need to shame the desire or dissociate from that desire. On the flip side, if we want something that's, like you said, I can't see the path to get there. Like It'll probably reveal itself at some point, but today I can't see because it's so far to go. How do I sit in the discomfort of that desire without resenting it? No, that see that that's ask a different question. What question should I like? I truly don't know. Like, I mean, th th this okay. is this has been, you know. Look, I was, I'm, never, I, I, I'm never asking you I, to sit in the discomfort of anything. I know you're not. How could I? I know yeah, you're not, but right. I, I think it's like that. The you know, again, I was raised in a certain way, and a lot of that is. You know, your wants are not necessary. Your needs, maybe uh, maybe you need too much, right? Like, there's something to that. Well, well, you, your needs are never too much. It's just that, you know, when you ask your parents for your fourth pair of shoes when you were a kid and they didn't have the money, they felt bad, number one. And so what's the next best answer? It's like, you greedy little bugger. Why do you always want more? You've already got three pair of shoes. So, so it's understandable why people come to that conclusion. But, but the idea is that when there's something that feels out of your reach that you want, can you understand that? So, oh, this is good here. So pure desire. Sorry, my face is really dark, but here we go. The pure desire feels good. Pure people have learned to associate desire with yearning. I want that, but I don't want that. That kind of thing in that little voice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly my voice. 
I want that, but I don't have it. Right. So then that's how we learn to manipulate, uh, have temper tantrums, uh, scream, beg, plead, borrow, whatever. And, and instead of understanding desire, pure desire feels good. Pure desire from your soul's perspective is, yay, something more to want. Yay, something to work toward, move toward. And the reason we have desires is for the journey toward them. It's when you think about it, when you when you have a desire and you and you finally get to it, you're happy with it and you might appreciate it and like it and, and love it and, and have a thrilling moment about it. But how long do you just sit there and say, good, I did that, done, now I'm done, now I'm done. You, you don't. There's other things you want, other things, other places to be, people to see and that kind of thing. So, so no, I think it's important to understand the difference, make the distinction that desire, pure desire feels good. Resisted desire feels horrible. Yeah, I hear a lot of foot on the gas, foot on the brake at the same time here. Yeah. And, okay. And, and that's, okay. that's a powerful distinction to really say we are wired to want. And I, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing I take from today. That's, that's where I feel like we finally come to is we by nature should want, and we should feel good in the wanting and that desiring. We should find a way to give ourselves that permission. We by nature can't help, but want mm. not should can't help, but want we by nature are not meant to feel bad about wanting. We, by nature, are made to want and feel the purity of desire. We, as humans, get in the way of our desires. Well said. <laughs> well said. Yeah, that is, again, I could go forever in these conversations. I'm just, every time we talk, I'm like, I wish time wasn't a thing. And maybe it's not, yeah. but in this case, it unfortunately is. So I have to ask you the last well, question that's so important. And just to time, you know, we do live within the context of time, which gives us structure. Yeah. Yeah. I, so again, typically my question is, you know, you started out with a dream of being a vet and race cars and helping others. I'm actually curious to know what's your dream beyond? What do you dream about now? And and maybe it's even what is just your desire? What is that most pleasurable desire that you hold today? To to be joyful, to playfully, joyfully live wherever that takes me. Fantastic. I wish I had a whoopee cushion or something to sound off in this moment. <laughs> just to come. Oh, darn it. I should have had I know. one. I should have had I'm mad one. I'm myself for not having thought this through. But I was like, well, in next, that moment. Next time. <laughs> next one. Some people ring bells and hit gongs. We would have just had a nice whoopee cushion sound to say, nice... we did it. <laughs> we did it. You know, and and like I, I, I have I have bathroom humor all the way through. I was brought out with with three brothers. And that was how we bonded. We at the dinner table, they would all art <laughs> can i say that on here I'll you know allow like it. It, i to this day i just it just it cracks me up yeah well again <laughs> it's it's beautiful to come that full circle from the moment we were hanging out in cbs and i think it was 2012 or something like that so it's been it's been it quite the while ride. ago so yeah. i think you really recapped it quite beautifully with what you said and um 
wow, just it's a big it's a big idea that 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 we are wired to want, and sometimes we get in the way of of that. Right. Often. Yeah. And, and often. And that's okay. Like, I want to make that okay, but you can get out of your way. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold that for a little bit. My current desire is to really grasp what you're saying uh, and <laughs> to be able to fully give myself that experience of wanting as someone that always wants more, always has wanted more and was pretty verbal about it until I was told to stop talking about it all the time. Because exactly. it was seen as a complaint, which is interesting because I was like, yes, I was yearning. I wasn't desiring. I didn't think I could have it. So I was suffering it. Right. And 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 back to your, I know you want to end here, but back to your, your comment before, how can I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, be okay with the dissatisfaction. I want to say, don't be okay with the dissatisfaction. Find a way to be satisfied knowing that you'll always want more. It's an endless journey of more. And so can you find a way to be satisfied with right where you are on your inevitable way to more? You speak well. <laughs> you think well, you. too. It's fun. It's fun to watch how your mind works. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I, uh, again, I encourage for, for any listeners interested in learning more about, you know, Christine's thoughts and work and just how her mind processes really cool information, uh, <laughs> check out her book, Keep It Simple, Smarty Pants. Uh, and you, you, could, you could also get a free chapter on her website. So if you check out her website, uh, you, could, you could download a free chapter and check it out. Uh, very low commitment. But either way, uh, Christine, just so awesome to hear this stuff. And I hope everyone had a great, great time listening to our conversation about whoopee cushions. <laughs> Thanks, Nick, for having me. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Dream Beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. That really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Instagram.com slash Nick LinkedIn.com slash in slash Nick Tarasio or YouTube.com slash N Tarasio.